What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. I am your host and Chief Energy Officer, Jeremy Abramson. And guys, I am super pumped for today's show with my dear friend and super talented doctor, Letal Pichon. Letal is a Miami-based clinical psychologist. She works with people struggling with depression, anxiety, and other aspects of life. Her mission is to empower others to heal themselves through holistic protocols and lifestyle changes. Letal, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, we we got it right. There's a couple technical (laughs) difficulties, but we are here. We are live, and I'm super pumped for this convo. Um, Been looking forward to getting you in here. And... Your mission statement is so powerful, and I just want you to dive a little deeper in terms of specifics for those holistic protocols and lifestyle changes that you implement with your clients. Okay, sure. So the whole idea behind this, um, well, it's called nutritional psychology. That's an aspect of what I practice in addition to therapy, like traditional therapy. When you think of, you know, going to a therapist or a psychologist of some sort, um, in a private practice setting, not like a hospital setting. Um, you know, we talk about gaining insight and awareness and all of that, and we could get to that in a second. But the part that I like to address and focus on with my clients is nutritional psychology. And what that is, is how your nutrition affects your mental health. And Mm. when I say nutrition, I actually mean lifestyle. It's just that it's called nutritional psychology. Um, It's more like a health psychology. Um, The idea is that you know, we take all these medications and go to therapy for years. And sometimes that's not enough. A lot of times, actually, it's not enough. So there are other ways, and it's a more holistic, integrative way to address mental health and to really get to what's causing this issue. What is the root cause? So I like to focus on that. And I think a lot of people tend to overlook that and we don't really think of mental health as physical health Mm. and when we do we see amazing results but for some reason we just like don't make that connection the mind like we we're all about mind body right like you hear it it all the time you hear it all the time mind body mind body i mean they're like clinics i mean there's an app right mind body app like we hear it all the time but when we think of mind body we think of the mind affecting the body right instead of the body affecting the mind Mm. because and it really does so you know it's so normal for us to think oh i'm anxious i have a stomach ache you know i'm anxious my heart's racing i can't breathe or whatever all sorts of things you know oh he was stressed he got cancer (laughs) right focusing on symptoms rather than the root cause symptoms rather than the root cause but also that direction meaning your emotions affected you physically. Mm. But what I like to focus on, and that's like a well-established concept, right? We accept that, we get it, we know that, you know, our thoughts or our emotions really affect us. What I like to focus on with my clients and with myself and just people in my life in general is the opposite direction, how your body affects your emotions, not just how your emotions affect your body. So if you can, you know, have a stomach ache because you're stressed don't you think that your physical health affects your mental health and how you feel like shouldn't it work the other way around too right and we're learning that it really does and it's something that we didn't really know before 
um, it's newer research, and we didn't really understand that. And it's such a powerful and actually really, really simple, usually, <laughs> simple way to, to feel better and to address certain mental health issues. Give me an example of maybe one or two common situations or common stories that you'll you'll typically see and really tying in how that nutrition and how that body can affect the mind like mm-hmm. do you have a couple of concrete examples um yeah i could think of some so well i'll hold off on the actual like medical issues because a lot of times there are medical um like different diagnoses that can contribute to mental health problems But just the basic, even if you don't have like a known medical condition, right? Just eating poorly can contribute to a negative emotion. So, you know, I have clients that, um, you know, their diet is not ideal, not healthy, but they don't really pay attention to it. They're not really aware of it. Um, It's just not important. It's not something they think of. And when we talk about it and I always assess for like just like lifestyle habits and just like their, their way of living basically, including diet. So, uh, that's something that is usually for most, most people, not a strength, the people that I see at least. Um, and when we work on, on those things, we improve their nutrition. And when I say improve nutrition, I mean like really minimal things, nothing, out of this world. I'm not saying like add, you know, all these superfoods and all of this. Just like don't eat frosted flakes for breakfast. <laughs> you know, yeah. nothing like mind blowing to me at least, and probably to you. Um, so yeah, so a lot of them suddenly just feel like a sense of ease. I actually have. I mean, it's not really a client of mine. It's my it's a, my uh, client's father actually. I think this is a fascinating area i don't know enough about it so maybe i don't even know if it's like really a good thing to talk about but i think it's really interesting so my clients um my client is a caretaker for his father his father has alzheimer's and he's had it for like 15 years i mean he's already like not doing that well um and just you know as part of my normal conversation with this client uh that he had anxiety himself so i just spoke about this stuff you know the nutritional psych concept and how uh, diet and exercise and certain supplements could possibly help him. So he found that really interesting. He did some of his own research. He came back a few weeks later. He goes, he's like, Vital, I started making changes in my dad's diet, not just his own. And very like simple changes, just had his dad eat real food, basically, instead of super processed food. Right. And cut out the apple juice he gave him at every meal and like cut out a lot of sugar. And his dad, he's like, I see, he started crying on the phone. He's like, my dad's Alzheimer's being reversed. Like it's literally going backwards. He said he, he went back about like three to four years. So I even doubted it. I'm like, you sure? Like (laughs) this really had such an impact. And and it's lasting. I thought maybe because sometimes with Alzheimer's, like they can, you know, go back and forth with their symptoms a little bit. Mm. I thought maybe he's just having like, you know, a couple of good weeks because even I doubted how effective this could be. And this lasted like this. He's been like his dad started walking again, talking again, engaging with like TV, laughing like this is something he, d- he wasn't doing. So that's I mean, this is obviously an extreme example. 
not that that extreme actually shows yeah that just shows like how effective this could be and my client was actually like pissed he's like why didn't any doctor of my father tell me this like why am am i hearing this from my psychologist like this makes no sense yeah so so yeah i think it's something that's really overlooked and i mean there's a lot a lot of science behind this now so yeah it's while while you're touching on while you're touched while we brought up alzheimer's which is considered diabetes Mm 3.0 right there's type type 1 diabetes, diabetes there's type 2 and now people are calling Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes yeah. because, guys, we talk about this all the time. You don't develop neurodegenerative disease or anything else or chronic disease overnight. These are 5, 10, 15 yeah. years of poor habits compounded every single day. So if you're eating like shit, you're not moving your body, these things are going to manifest in very ugly ways later on in life. So that's why we need to be proactive. And I think for you and I, that's almost what makes what we do sometimes tough to sell because we're not supporting a band-aid or a quick right. fix. We're all about giving you tools that are going to enhance your quality of life. And we focus on longevity. So guys, Lee Tall mentioned it. If you're eating like shit and you guys hear me, you know, the show is called stand up to sitting. If you're being sedentary and eating crappy foods, your body is going to accumulate so much inflammation and that inflammation is what drives disease. So this is serious stuff. So I just wanted to kind of mention that because you might be 30 years old or 40 listening to this right now, but people start developing Alzheimer's when they're in their 60s. So your habits now are going to dictate and determine your quality of life 20, 30, 40 years down the road. So that's really important. And Yeah, I appreciate you mentioning that. Talk a little bit about some, I know you you try and keep things simple with your clients and I think that's a great approach because people can get so overwhelmed with the magnitude of information that they're exposed to on a daily basis. What are like two or three foods that you advocate for really supporting brain health and overall mental health? So there are things to add to your diet, but I also think it's important to eliminate certain things to replace. So three foods foods to eliminate and three foods to add. Let's do that. To eliminate, obviously sugar, 100%. Processed? Um, Yeah. And when I say sugar, I don't mean fruit. I mean, you shouldn't be afraid of like eating a banana. So definitely like processed sugar um, and even limit like, you know, some of the more natural types of sugars like maple syrup, things like that, but you can have it. Um, It also depends where you are in the process but just speaking in general terms yeah sugar um processed foods for sure and like basically if you don't know what the food is don't eat it that's the idea like if you can't recognize if you can't cook with it if you know there's an ingredient on a on a box and you have no idea what that is and you can't pull it out of your pantry and like create a dish with it that's not real food it's like fake made up it's franken food it is exactly so how can that be good for you? That doesn't make sense. Um, and a third one, God, I can't even think of a third one right now. But those are like the main things to eliminate. Sugar, processed foods. Um, can I add one? Yeah. I would definitely uh, advocate for eliminating vegetable oils out of your diet. So yeah. this is... But I consider that processed for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But guys, this is really important to recognize because... 
you know, when you cook at home, obviously you have control and autonomy over what you're using. So extra virgin olive oil or a good quality butter or something like that. But when you go out at a restaurant, I feel like this is where a lot of people are mm-hmm. confused. Yeah. Because you might be going at a high-end restaurant, but they're still using like shitty oils, like right. vegetable oils, corn, right. like d- different things. So just something to be really conscious about. Ask questions and build awareness. Yeah, so you could be that annoying person at a restaurant. Like I do it all the time and people laugh at me now, but whatever. Like my health is more important than not being a little bit annoying at a restaurant. So, 100, 100%. And I also think it's okay to sometimes eat whatever you want. I'm, I'm not saying you have to be extreme. Like you can, it's all about like, you know, people say 80, 20, I think a little bit more like maybe, you know, 85, 90, 10, 15, something like that. Um, but it's okay to enjoy. I mean, I had pizza and pasta like a week ago, you know, it's okay. Cause I know I'm confident that the How majority of the time I'm fine. And I don't allow those things into my apartment because yeah. I love to eat. Like I'm a huge food lover. And people don't believe me when they see me today. The only people who believe me are the people who knew me a few years ago. <laughs> yeah. So I eat like a man. Like I eat a lot and I enjoy food. I've actually been fortunate enough to try <laughs> some of your, I believe it was, I had some grass fed brisket. Maybe. No, no, no. Oh. It, was, it was wild caught salmon. Yes. Yes. And something else. It was salmon and something maybe else. Maybe some had sweet potato. It oh, was chicken and potatoes, I think, or something s- like that. But it was like cooked with a lot of intention yeah. and a lot of love. <laughs> okay. So three foods to that add. you recommend. Yeah. So obviously vegetables. Always. I mean, all kinds of vegetables, diverse vegetables. Not. They say you should have like at least 30 different types of vegetables a week. Oh, I mean, wow. not vegetables, plants. So that oh, includes wow. nuts. Yeah. Um, and now I have like this weird obsession with counting how many <laughs> vegetables or plants are in my meals. Yeah. And I get like 11, 12 per meal now. So it's good. Amazing. So um, variety is good. Variety. Yeah. Okay. And we'll get into like why that's important. And it's all about your gut health and the different, you know, good bacteria that you want there. So uh, vegetables, plants in general. Uh, I recommend as far as mental health goes and again there's no one size fits all the vegetables is a one size fits all for sure or the plants not just vegetables that we all need we all benefit no one will argue with that some people will argue with my recommendation of uh, um, animal proteins so you know less chicken more meat and uh, and fish salmon especially and that's a food that I recommend for mental health. Some people prefer, you know, vegetarian or vegan diets. In that case, I recommend supplementing. But as far as mental health goes, most of, you know, a lot of nutritional psychiatrists will will say that you should have some sort of animal protein because there's a lot that comes along with that that we can't necessarily find in plants, unfortunately. Yeah. So um, those are definitely the top two. And then... Obviously, water. I mean, people don't drink mm, water. That's it's so really, true. It's something that I like forget to talk about a lot of times with my clients. But they come in and they're like, yeah, I... And by the way, another thing to eliminate would be coffee, maybe, for anxious people. To eliminate, um, okay. To eliminate, yeah. But a lot of people don't drink enough water. And it's that's so huge. true. That's a really important thing. That's why I always have my giant water bottle that... And I think I think I think it's also important too, staying on that point of water to actually be aware of the quality of water, because not all water is created equal. And now there's, you know, there's alkaline water, there's purified water. 
I would just suggest spring water. And there's systems you can get installed in your house. Mm -hmm. But this is something that... filters, the metal, those filters yeah. that people have. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And guys, I, I believe it's when you, your brain... Do you know how much of your brain is consisted of water? Is it 60%? I want to say 70%, but I'm totally guessing right now. So yeah, but, but when, when that capacity decreases by 2%, that's when we really start to see our cognition, our clarity, our memory... Yeah. Uh, suffer. So it's not a lot. Two percent doesn't sound like a lot, but guys, especially in the summertime, if you're if you're constantly exercising and moving your body, it's so important to hydrate your your organs, hydrate your tissues, because again, that's going to prevent inflammation and really add that hydration component. Um, another thing you touched on is you know like the high quality meat, like grass fed beef mm -hmm. and and stuff like wild caught fish. And it's so important, and I want to ask you about this as well, because things like wild-caught salmon and fish oil, if you're going to supplement, or krill oil even, have such high amounts of EPA and DHA, which are the most powerful, basically, most powerful things you can give your brain for yeah. fuel and for health. And those omega-3s are really going to provide you with a ton of of value. Yeah. And I was going to ask you because transitioning so many people, especially youth are diagnosed these days with attention deficit disorder and, and ADHD and things like this. And my biggest fear is that they're just getting medicated. Yeah. And, and I'll, <laughs> yeah. And I'll let you, I'll let you go a little deeper but for the parents out there or for the young kids listening who are convinced that they need to take these pills because they are, they are, they're messed up. They're not normal. They can't focus. Um, can you just talk about some strategies you implement mm -hmm. yeah. with people in that situation? Yeah. So I'll talk about the nutritional stuff and then I want to talk into just like other kind of things we can do like behavioral strategies. But so a lot of people are medicated and they think that they cannot live without it, whether it's meds for ADHD or depression or Xanax for anxiety. They're like, it helps. I'm like, yeah, obviously it helps. It'll help anyone. You know, that's that's we know that. But do you want to take these meds forever? And that's the part that really like gets to me. Um, first of all, people are overdiagnosed. You know, someone who has a little trouble paying attention. OK, so you have a little trouble paying attention. It's not such a big deal. Um, it's when it interferes with your life. That's when it becomes something to really like focus on and work on. And that really applies to any mental health diagnosis. Um, so when it comes to ADHD, I find, and I diagnose ADHD because I do a lot of, uh, psychoeducational evaluation. So like I'll have a parent bring a kid in, you know, for testing because they want to get accommodations in school and they can't get these accommodations without a diagnosis and a whole report and oh, a recommendation. Wow. And it kind of like pains me to diagnose them because I'm like, oh, does this mean the parent is just going to like medicate the child? Even though a lot of parents don't want to, they do come in saying like, if he's diagnosed, is he going to have to be medicated? And I always like take the the approach of like, no, we can work on it in other ways. So unless it's like really severe, but for the most part, it's not. Um, and then we always implement certain changes in their diet and there's always room for improvement. But I don't know if I've had anyone come in with the 
let's just say ideal diet, right, for ADHD or for anything. The, the diet for ADHD is the diet for health, period. It doesn't, there's no specific um, approach. It's not like, you know, disorder-based. It's more just a healthy body in general contributes to a healthy brain. So, because guess what? The brain's connected to the body. So really? <laughs> yeah, and oh, I don't know why shit. we like don't think of it that way. It's so weird to me. Um, I, for, I try to remember like what I used to think before I learned all this stuff and like, why did it, why was this not obvious? But I don't know. This is com- what you practice now and what you preach now. Is it completely contrary to what you learned in school? Yes, completely. Like no one ever touched on this ever in school. So I don't know. I don't know why, but I guess the research wasn't there. And we all, you know, we always learn like evidence-based and everything has to be like research-based. And it is now, but it's newer research. And I've been out of school for longer than I like to think. So (laughs) Um, anyway, so for ADHD, yeah, it's basically cutting out processed foods. That's number one. Um, Then there's, you know, food coloring is a huge thing, even though it's controversial, but it works. I see it. So whatever i don't i don't even care what like research really says about it because i see it all the time like people you know parents always come to me they're like i changed the diet um you know cut out a lot of sugar cut out and it's not just that it's not as simple as people think like oh sugar causes you to be hyper no it's more about healing your body and your intestines in order to prevent these symptoms um and allowing the kid to like run around and i'm sure you're all about that you know moving and like be a kid yeah. basically it's so crazy so yeah and this is obviously just if there's no you know underlying issue cuz a lot of times there's something else going on so it's not as simple as just nutrition it's more try to identify the problem there may be an allergy that you're not aware of you know an allergy doesn't have to look like a rash or something like that or a breakout of some kind it's it could be lack of focus. It could be fatigue. It could be sleep issues. Like a kid shouldn't have sleep issues, you know? Yeah. So so it's important to really go to like a functional medicine doctor and really get things checked out. So that's what I, I really end up doing that with most people. I send them to functional medicine doctors and figure out what's going on because I can get you so far. Like I can work on the nutrition and the exercise and all of that stuff, but I can't tailor it to your specific problem because I, you need lab work. Like I can't tell you what's wrong with you. So, right. Yeah. So basically what I got out of that to, and again, I appreciate that you said it's not that simple. Like this can be complicated, but in general, having kids, eliminating most of the processed foods. Like, it's crazy to me how many kids I just see drinking Gatorade, like, casually. And it's like, you realize all the food coloring and sugar that has. Like, Gatorade was designed for, like, high-performance athletes. And even then, they don't eat it. Yeah, exactly. other alternatives. And it's, yeah, it's like, their recipe was created, like, 30 years ago. And, and, And just things like that, that... I think a lot of people aren't really conscious about and then adding like we talked about those omega threes that are really going to support their brain development and health. And then I'm so glad you touched on movement because kids are spending kids are, I feel like parents pressure kids so much like early on, like they're studying for the SATs in middle school and just, it's crazy. Like let your kid be a fucking kid. Yeah. And let them, honestly, 
ADD can be a huge advantage because like let them channel that, let them run around, let them play a sport, let them play an instrument. Yeah. And instead of like forcing your kid to stay indoors and like study, it's like, dude, he's nine years old. Let him chill and play with his friends. Like what happened to that? Um, I'm curious to know. I'm curious to know, like out of the parents that come in in regards to their kids, what percentage would you say are actually like, I want you to help my kid rather than just like him pop pills? Um, a pretty high percentage. Oh, really? Well, yeah. That's encouraging. Actually, yeah, it, it really is. Um, I don't know if that's why they seek me out to begin with. Maybe they hear of like the type of work that I do. I'm not sure. So maybe I have like a limited view, you know, because that's who I'm working with. But for the most part, parents don't want their kids on medication. Um, it's a little different when it comes to themselves because it's easier, right? Than gaining insight and awareness and all of, you know, doing the heavy work. But, but for their kids, usually they want, they want to like have a more natural approach to helping them. Um, it's a little different when it comes time to actually implementing these changes because it's hard and it's the whole family has to change. It's not, you can't just, you know, feed a kid a specific diet while you're eating like pizza. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Obviously. You have to set an example. Yeah. You have to set an example and just reduce temptation just like with all of us. So so, yeah, it's I, I think and I think people are like wanting this more now. There's more of an awareness of health and wellness. And, um, you know, that clearly what we've been doing has not been working. Like something is off, like taking medications just doesn't really work a lot of the times. And yeah. if it does, it causes all these other issues. So I mean, and then you have to be medicated for those issues. And then it's just not I don't think it's like a logical way of addressing something. Because you're not getting to the root cause. Actually, when you were talking earlier, you said something about like the stand up to sitting and that's right. addressing the root cause. It's not saying, oh, you have like a hip problem or whatever, like just go to therapy for it. Go to physical therapy or just go work out, you know, do like a, a boot camp after work, after you were sitting at your desk all day, like that's going to be fine. It's good enough. It's not good enough because the whole idea is to not it's prevention. And that's, I think, that's my yeah, understanding of stand up to sitting. Like, get up in the middle of the day and move and walk and, like, do things. And that's the same idea with, with mental health. Like, just maintain a healthy lifestyle. And that, it's, it's not easy. Taking a pill is a lot easier, you know, but it's less work. But it's not sustainable. And eventually it's going to stop working. So, yeah. and it's also, like, avoiding certain things in your life. So, I think... 100%. You know, therapy, and a lot of people ask me now, so what does this mean? Like, is therapy not even necessary anymore? Like, do you think it's all, there's all like a physical or medical root cause? And no, I don't think that. I think therapy is definitely needed because that's also addressing the root cause. Like, what caused you to think this way? Why do you have this thought pattern? Why are you anxious? Why are you depressed? Yeah, your medical issue might exacerbate it, um, but there's a reason from your past or your, you know, your every moment of your life, basically, until this second shaped the way you think and is making you kind of, it's like your whole belief system is making you feel a certain way, basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I, and like going back to your mission statement uh, and, and knowing that you really want to empower the people you're working with 
to build that awareness. So yeah. like they don't need to rely on you for every yeah. little thing. And building that awareness is so key too in regards to what you just said about like these self-limiting beliefs. Yeah. Because we all have we all have them regardless we of it might be that you don't feel worthy or you don't feel like you're attractive enough. You don't feel like you're deserving of love or deserving of being successful, whatever it may be. All of these beliefs that you have came from certain experiences, most likely in the first seven years of your yeah. life. What's That's what's so crazy. And that's why I like focusing. I'm, I'm so I want to focus on the kids because they really are the future and I'm just so the thing that scares me is like kids growing up with the idea that they're broken yeah. and that they need to take this external thing to be made right. And it's like, no, dude, you're perfect, whole and complete just how you are. We just need to, you know, work on some things right. like there's always room for improvement. I literally just posted about that today. So yeah. the concept of self-improvement, self-criticism and self-acceptance. So how do you improve without criticizing yourself, right? Mm. But then you criticize yourself and then you feel terrible about yourself. So how does that work? And then we always hear like, you need to accept yourself for who you are. But if you're accepting, are you improving, right? Like, how does that work? Mm. So, so I always talk about, and the reason I posted this was because it was a topic that kept coming up for some reason, I don't know, and with all of my clients lately. So, um, so we talk about self-evaluation, which is a, it's not a negative way of thinking about yourself. It's stopping and taking a look at yourself. And that's what therapy is about. It's looking at your thoughts and evaluating your thoughts. And first of all, are you even right? Are your thoughts accurate? Do they even make sense? Um, you know, because our thoughts are our thoughts. We don't really sit and like think about if our thoughts make sense. Um, it just kind of is. Can I touch on that real yeah. quick? Yeah. I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but. I have to just because <laughs> what you said, it's so spot on. And we actually, we had a podcast on this, I think a couple of weeks ago, talking about how a certain life event and the one that I spoke about and used as an example was your parents getting divorced because yeah. it's so common, right? Mm -hmm. And the story that we tell ourselves when that happens. And oftentimes a kid, they'll see their parents get divorced and they'll convince themselves that they're the reason why, mm -hmm. that this is how all relationships are, that they can't trust a man or they can't trust a woman or all of these negative things that get ingrained in our narrative and we build our, we build our life. Like that's the story that we've told ourselves for all these years. Yeah. So what you do, having people really look at themselves because... We're always so busy, like in in the grind, in the hamster wheel of life, that a lot of times we're not building a relationship with the most important person. That's ourself. Yeah, it's true, and that's why I love working with adults, and I like working with like high functioning adults because I love these conversations and for them to really take a look at themselves. Like, you know, I always use this one client as an example about what you were just talking about. So, this guy felt like he just was not good enough, like not worthy, felt unloved and just struggled in his relationships. After like a, you know, a while of working with him, we kind of like looked back and looked back and evaluated his childhood. And he just casually was talking about his like his, his mom and her job. And she was always at work and he felt like she never paid enough attention to him because she was constantly working and he would come home 
and have to heat up dinner on his own, you know, leftovers on his own and do homework on his own and shower on his own. And she was never around because she was always working. And he always felt as like, oh, I can't remember, like nine or 10 year old that his mom didn't put him first and didn't value him. Makes sense, right? Like you think about that, you're like, oh God, poor kid. Yeah, why was his mom like, why didn't she pay more attention to him? She like totally screwed up her child. And then when we started digging a little more, we realized that she was a single mother, had to work like two, three jobs to put food on the table. And she had no choice. And it was out of love, actually, and caring for her child so Mm. much. But as a kid, he doesn't know that, right? He just remembers the feeling of, oh, my God, I'm alone and my mom's not here and there's no one to care for me right now. He doesn't like realize that rent has to be paid and bills have to be paid, right? So even if he realizes it, it's an emotion that he kind of like, internalized and use that and that belief of i'm alone and no one like values me basically and took that with him throughout the rest of his life and then and then what now he's an adult who struggles in relationships what was what was that like realization like when it was he, awesome yeah yeah he it's different when you look at things from an adult perspective and the problem is as kids we don't have that like we're just it's literally like impossible to think that way because our brains are not developed in that way yet to think rationally and to reason and to understand certain things like that. Our, our, you know, prefrontal Prefrontal cortex cortex is not developed. So we don't, we literally just don't think that way. And, but we do feel. So we take that feeling and use that for the rest of our lives. And then we're like, we wonder why we have issues. I'm, (laughs) I'm interested to know, uh, because I do want to get a little more personal with you. Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) um i'm just i'm I'm curious to know like what is maybe one of those stories that you told yourself growing up and and how i i kind of just want to know it's it's interesting talking to a psychologist because (laughs) it's like yo you would think they would have it all figured out but i know i know that's not the case 100 (laughs) percent. like we all have leading the blind yeah we we (laughs) all we all have shit that we're trying to uncover and and learn from. So is there one that, st- that, that kind of stands out, like maybe a narrative you had been telling yourself and that you came to a realization like, oh my gosh, like that's just not true at all. Oh God. I mean, I can't think of anything so specific on the spot, but I mean, I'm an anxious person. Like I'm super anxious, um, but I learned to manage it. And I, now I understand why, like I was always labeled, you know, in my family, like, Oh, we tell the warrior. I used to like get up and check that the door is locked in the middle of the night. And like my family thought I was crazy. And I was always that person, you know, like I would look like a hundred like times in the dark and not want to walk anywhere alone at night. Just very paranoid, I guess you could say. And now I realize, yeah, it's cause my mom, who's a great mom, but she, I was the firstborn. You know, my siblings are not this anxious because she wasn't this way with them. She would literally sit me down as like a three-year-old, I remember, and like like drill into my head. You do not talk to strangers. You do not let anyone touch you. You don't let any... Like, wow. She used to drill it because she was so nervous that something would happen to me. Yeah. So, you know, and she just... Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know why. I mean, I guess she has her own stuff to deal with too, you know, from her childhood. But I didn't have like this like significant, you know, traumatic incident or anything like that that took place. But it's a message that I was constantly told. And I thought, oh, my God, my mom is like really looking out for me. But now I'm like afraid to fly and afraid to this. <laughs> like, I'm I was going to say how. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to. It's it's so interesting. I was going to say like how and notice, guys, this happened when Lee Tall was three, right? Yeah. 
Like that's when it started. So we talked about this stuff happens so early on. So just really be conscious if you're a parent, if you're around kids, like every interaction and experience matters. It really does. Like if you, you might think like, oh, I'm just messing around with them. But like really, like this stuff is real and it comes back and manifests in crazy profound ways. Yeah. What was like, when did you actually realize that? And when also, I'm wondering like how that limited you in some capacity. Limited me? Um, I think I'm not such a risk taker maybe <laughs> because of that. Um, you know, but then I was always told, even doing this podcast, I was always told like step out of your comfort zone, you know, like get comfortable feeling uncomfortable, like that, that yeah. idea. So I've been doing that and it's kind of like trial and error and that applies with everyone i mean i always say even like treatment of clients i'm always like that's it's trial and error like i don't know that it's gonna work but we'll try it so mm. so you know i i push myself to do certain things i my brother used to go out and like you know party he's younger than me but i would call him at like three in the morning four in the morning five in the morning wow. like are you home yet where are you are i you needed a yet? sister like that <laughs> when i was younger oh god i think he would like not agree with that but he i just stopped basically i said you know what I'm not going to call tonight and yeah. let's see if he's alive in the morning. And he was fine. I'm like, you know what? I'll hear if something happens. Like I just tr started being more realistic and rational with my thoughts mm. and kind of like doing my own therapy, I guess, when it comes to that. I'm like, what's the worst? That's, this is something I, I really tend to think a lot is what's the worst that can happen? Like unless it's you're going to die or like, I don't know, like completely something terrible is going to happen which usually it's not the case, then do it. Like, what is the worst that can happen in most situations? Um, usually it's not something that bad. So yeah, It's crazy how we fear the unknown like that. Um, that's anxiety, is fearing the unknown. That's the future, you know, fearing the future. So Something, something, it's like something that's in a way similar. And I also shared this on an episode, but through the gratitude training program I did, uh, I felt guilty because everyone was sharing these super traumatic experiences they had, you know, mm -hmm. like abuse, death and all these things. And I felt guilty that I didn't have one defining moment or one of these things that like really was an obstacle that I had to overcome. And then the coach was really pushing me. She's like, Jeremy, like think of something like I want you to think deep. And the thing that really came up repetitively was when I was maybe in elementary school, it started like probably second or third grade. I was talkative in my class, like me and my buddies, we would like mess around and like not in a disrespectful way, but we would just like, you know, talk like I still got good grades and like did what I had to do. But I was like always just like a playful kid. And whenever there was parent teacher conferences or like progress reports, it always said like Jeremy's nice to have in class, but he's always disturbing the class. <laughs> he's talking. You talking. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I remember from an early age, my dad would like put me in my room and he would give me a notebook and he'd say, like, you have to write 200 sentences. I will not talk in class. I will not talk in class. And I was like, I didn't think of anything of it. I was like, this is just this is like what all parents do. He's just like showing me discipline. And that's honestly the thought process I had up until now. And I was grateful for it. I was like, you know, my dad put me in check. He held me accountable. What I noticed, what I realized just recently, like a couple of weeks ago, was that by him doing that, I told myself that I had to be quiet. And that my voice didn't right. matter. And 
how this manifested later in life is 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 pretty profound because in high school and college, there's times where I wanted to speak up. There's times I wanted to stand up for something. There's times I wanted to ask questions and I didn't because I feared the consequences. I didn't want to look stupid. I didn't think whatever I had to say mattered. And I'm glad I got over that narrative because it held me back for a long time. And that, that guy's happened when I was like eight or nine. Yeah. And that's what, our lives are based on it's that voice like that inner dialogue that we have going on and we all have it but we don't question it so I mean as you were talking like a few things came to mind like my clients that you know we I just will casually ask like so tell me about your childhood my childhood was great it was fine it was good like nothing no no crazy issues Mm. you know nothing happened I'm like in my mind I'm like all right we'll get to it like I know there's something obviously there's always something you know like the client who who completely dismissed it truly out of like just not making a connection said and she's super hard on herself now always criticizing herself like she's never good enough she doesn't think she won't accept anything unless it's like a hundred percent even though she's one of those perfectionist types she's so successful and she's just like not accepting it so going back and i dug it because i knew i knew there was something she's like I mean, my fi- it was fine. I mean, yeah, so I, I, I did this, I did that. And then I went to fat camp one summer. I'm like, you went to fat camp? What does that mean? And she's like, yeah, I mean, I was really fat. So my parents sent me to fat camp. And I'm like, what did you think of that? Like, that's a big deal. She goes, I mean, my dad used to weigh me every single day and tell me that I had to lose weight as like a 10-year-old. So, and I, I never lost the weight. And I never ate healthy and I didn't participate in sports. So he kept weighing me every day until I went to fat camp. And I'm like, oh my God if that's not traumatizing, like, I don't know what is a trauma doesn't have to be like a rape or, you know, child abuse, like physical Mm. abuse or something like that. So she always felt like she wasn't good enough for her dad because she was overweight, you know? So yeah, that, that like carried along with her in her mind for the rest of her life. So, well, not the rest of her life, but until now, until she's, you know, making that connection. So, and I, yeah. And I feel like that's such a common theme especially with women, I'd say is like these, these insecurities about their body or something, some, some, something along those lines. And Mm -hmm. it, again, maybe like it was a boy that told them they weren't pretty enough in like sixth grade or their dad or their mom. But like, that's powerful. And I, and I, and I can imagine she was probably living a lot of her life, like seeking the approval of others and putting like, Exactly like you said, being a perfectionist. Like this has to be perfect for people to accept me. Yeah. So guys, as we're having these conversations, yes, I want you to listen, but I want you to actively listen and think of what area of life this relates to you. Like what happened maybe when you were younger, like Leetal and I mentioned, we had great childhoods, but there are still some things that had long-term effects on us. So I really want you as you're listening to dive deep reflect on yourself, have that conversation, write down pen to paper and really think about these things. That's the best way to do it, by the way, is is journaling. I have every single one of my clients journal and there are no rules to what to write about. It's just write and make it a part of your routine um, for 10 minutes. That's it. Just 10 minutes In a the day. morning, at night, or whenever. Whenever they want. If they can make it a part of their routine, like every morning, it's even better, or every night, that's better, but whatever. Like, I'm not going to be that 
picky about it. You're lenient. It's, I like your style. <laughs> it's more about just getting it done and write. Write whatever you want, whatever comes to mind, and eventually you'll see a pattern. And a lot of people who aren't into this at first really hesitate to take this on because they're like, it's not my thing. It's not my style. Especially the dudes are yeah. journaling. Oh my That's God. so gay. Imagine I'm not going to journal. Like a 60 year old guy, like you have to start journaling, you know? And he's like, Oh God, this therapist, like what did I get myself into? But, <laughs> but they do it and they love it. It's really awkward for them with themselves even at first, but then eventually they just learn so much. It's like the best therapy you can ever, ever like participate in more than paying for a therapist more than anything it's journaling so i really recommend that it's like i have like some a few standard like my go-to recommendations for people and that's definitely one of them so that and nutrition and sun i love that and movement (laughs) and it's it all it honestly all comes back to like self-awareness it is like a big part of writing is okay like i'm having a conversation what am i experiencing right now what am i feeling right now um and you can kind of build a reason to why you might be acting a certain way or feeling a certain way. And I want to ask a couple more questions. Um, I want to know, because on the outside, people might see Dr. Lee Tall Pichon and they're like, oh my God, like she's so beautiful. She's so intelligent. <laughs> she has a beautiful laugh and smile. And like the, her, her life is perfect. I want to oh know, I want to know what is one obstacle or one failure that you've had that you've overcome that stands out failure obstacle i know you Um, i know you said you're not a huge risk taker but maybe it's a time where like you tried something or or you went after something it didn't go right or anything you know what i mean maybe this is like i shouldn't be saying this because i'm practicing therapy but becoming a psychologist i thought was a mistake at first for a long time it's not my passion it is now but it was not my passion it was not what I ever in my life thought I would be doing um I wanted to be an architect or interior designer like totally unrelated to psychology and well not totally I guess but that was my thing and then my first I just applied to grad school I applied to one school meanwhile people applied like all over the country and would fly to interviews I applied to one school that was literally four minutes from my house which was Nova okay and I got in I don't know how I got an interview I got in I'm like what did I get myself into (laughs) it's a five-year program and after the first year I was like oh god this is not for me I am not this person because I learned about like all like the serious mental illness stuff like schizophrenia and all that stuff that I did not have an interest in working with so so I was like this is not for me I looked into the Art Institute, actually. <laughs> I was like, I'm leaving this. I'm, I'm dropping out of the program. And then I learned that I have to, whatever, it would have been another four years to get another bachelor's. I was like, no, I'm not doing that either. I'm just going to stick to this. I made a decision, even though I didn't like the decision, but I said, I have to make a decision. Just choose and I'll, I'll decide later on. Let me get my degree and I'll decide later on if I want to continue with psychology or not. I was like, it's not a bad thing. I'm going to become a doctor. It's not a bad thing. I just pursued it. I continued. I was not happy. I did not like it. I started liking it a little bit more when I started actually like practicing therapy, but it still, it didn't feel like enough. It just wasn't, I felt like something was missing. And then I graduated, finished like my residency and all of that. And when I went into private practice and I became more of like my own person, my own, my personality 
like came into the sessions it wasn't just like Vital the psychology trainee like doing what I was told to do in, in school um I started liking it more but still it wasn't a hundred percent I wasn't passionate about it and at I this just, point you had already gone through the five years oh I was done I was in private practice already so I yeah it was like my first year and a half or so in practice and I was like it's cool it's fine but like whatever I'm just doing it it's work it was work for me and then I started getting into the whole health and wellness aspect of it just for personal reasons because I was trying to correct like I was always tired and that's how I learned about all of the stuff initially and then I started connecting the physical health and mental health pieces and that's when like I really became passionate about it and put my own twist on it and I just became like a regular person in a session working with someone and not like treating someone I love it so that was a, what I thought was a mistake. What was the initial question? It was something what like was an obstacle I overcame. Yeah. So I thought that was like an, that was like a, I thought I made a mistake by continuing with psychology. Like I thought that was like not the right decision at all. Mm. And now I'm really happy, obviously, that I did it because. What, what, what caused yeah. you, if you weren't, if you were passionate about architecture and interior design, why were you, why didn't you why try and I go to it? like grad school for that? Was it like pressure from a relative, a parent or? Um, a little bit. It was a few things. I was, you know, you're like supposed to make a decision about which college to go to at age 17, which is ridiculous. Because, like, yeah. you know, I know I, I knew I liked architecture then. But then I remember we had like this lady who came to visit once and she's like, oh, my son's in architecture school and he's miserable and he has to sleep at school because he's so busy. And I was 17. I'm like, I don't want to work that hard. You yeah. know, little did I know I'm going to go to nine years of school. But I just kind of didn't care to pick a college that had architecture so i just picked any school it happened to be that my school did not have anything to do with like interior design or architecture like there were no programs for that so i just started taking some psychology because like you have to uh, initially and then i liked it It was cool and then i i just kind of like stuck to that yeah and that was it basically so it's uh i appreciate you sharing that it's funny there's there's something i read um i read a lot of stoicism and, uh, you know, it's like Marcus Aurelius and Seneca, some really ancient philosophers who are just absolute wizards. And there's a reference that they talk about that made that popped up after you told me that. So they talk about this situation. Well, this is like modern translation, but there's three there's three types of people when you go into a grocery store. Right. There's that person that goes in and they pick a line. They pick a line to check out. And they see another line is moving faster, but they're like, nah, I'm good here. I'm going to stay. Right. Okay. Okay. Then there's the second person who sees there's a line moving faster. They switch and then they see another line moving faster. They <laughs> switch. And before you know it, it's like, dude, like you just wasted 10 minutes and yeah. you still haven't indecisive. Right. And then the third person is someone who's waiting in line. They see it's kind of moving slow. They see another line moving faster. They switch to that line and they stick with that this that second they made a decision. That initial decision to switch, they switch. They're not wavering back and forth. And they basically are saying like we should strive to be the third person. Like be open to going a different route, but yeah. don't constantly be like bouncing back and forth and and indecisive because then you're going to drive yourself crazy. I love that. Yeah. And you were number 1. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah. It all worked out. Actually, kind of in the middle almost because I made a decision, but then I questioned it 
But then I still went back to my original decision. Yeah. I guess I'm number two. <laughs> but I but I guess I guess a message that I think a lot of people can benefit from that has benefited me is like if you invest in something and you you find out that it's not for you, whether it's a job, whether it's a job, whether it's you're reading a book or watching a movie and it's like you're 30 minutes in, you're 50 pages in, it's like, yo, I'm just not interested. Like, don't feel committed to dedicating more time no, to something you're not, not about. No. Um, That's like a lot of people get stuck in relationships for that reason also. Yeah, they're like they're pot like, committed. I'm already there. We already have kids. We already bought a house. Like, no. <laughs> and then a lot of times I see it with, with jobs. Mm-hmm. They're like... Oh yeah, like I'm fucking miserable, but I'm gonna wait two years so I can put it on my resume. It's two years. I'm like, that's <laughs> two years of your life you're never gonna yeah. get back. If you it's actually funny. I when I first moved to Miami, I've never actually told this story. I don't think anyone knows this other than my parents. Ooh. Um it's not that juicy. <laughs> but um when I moved to Miami, I always admired Red Bull for the work they were doing, like marketing and like in the sports and extreme sports. So I connected with someone on LinkedIn when I was still in California and I was like hey, I'd love to kind of see opportunities to get involved with the company. I came to Miami, I interview with Red Bull, and I get a job. And the job is like delivering product, so I have a route, right? being that person, the Red Bull person. Red Bull person, (laughs) but I'm like delivering product, and I'm like stressed out, stuck in traffic, like have to get out, deliver a bunch of crates. And literally, like I was on training, like I wasn't actually doing it, I was in the passenger side observing, for four days. And after four days, I was like, oh my fucking God, there is no way I'm going to do this. And it's funny because my initial intention was like, I'm going to crush it for a couple couple months with Red Bull. Then I'm going to switch over to the, the department like that. that I want to, like sports marketing. And I just got out of that situation right away. And that was that really served me because it led to me actually finding my true purpose and passion. Um so yeah, just just uh, just an yeah. example of that. And okay, so we're crushing this, and I feel like we could just talk throughout the night. I know I keep stopping myself. I have like so no, don't. Much more I want to talk. About well, listen, that. listen. This we're gonna we're you're gonna be on the show again. <laughs> we're gonna have a part two. That's okay. a fact. That's a fact. We gotta leave something to the imagination. Right. So I want to finish this episode with five rapid fire questions. Oh God. Okay, go. Let's go. Come <laughs> on. We're getting out of your comfort zone. What is your favorite emoji? The This one. The monkey one. Oh, they can't see it. The one, like the monkey that covers its eyes. Okay. Why, why, do, why do you like it? Like, oh, no. Oh, God. Like, that what? doesn't yeah. seem to be positive. I know, but I think it just applies to so many different situations. It's, okay. Or it's like versatile. someone does something silly. Yeah, it's versatile. Exactly. I like that it's a monkey. Okay. Yeah. Biggest pet peeve. When people like preface their comments by like i don't mean to talk shit but and then they talk shit or like when they say something like that like to be honest like stuff like that like yeah. are you not honest oh my god i want to like this crazy <laughs> shit just happened to me but like i don't want to talk about yeah. it yeah like yeah no, stuff like you. that i don't i don't like that kind of quote stuff. or mantra that you live by oh my gosh <sighs> can it be a better one i can't think of can it, right it be now. a what let's get back to that one okay <laughs> book or movie that has impacted you the most um, book. I mean, it's not that fun of a response, but Dr. Hyman's Eat Fat, Get Thin. Yeah, I know <laughs> he's impacted. Me. Yeah, that he's like, I'm obsessed with him. He's I worship him. So that's what first, that was like my intro to health and wellness. 
Yeah. Guys, definitely check out Mark Hyman's oh, work. The best, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And what are you most grateful for right now? Health. My health, I think. Obviously, the people in my life, too. But I would say my health because then you can't really enjoy anything else. I think they go hand in hand. Like yeah. relationships are a huge component of yeah. your health. Um, wow. That was unbelievable. I had so much fun. I really don't Me want it too. to end. But before we do, I want you to tell these beautiful people where they could dive a little deeper with you because I'm sure they're sure. going to want to follow you, see your content because you dropped a lot of great information and I know you can help so many people. So guys, don't hesitate to reach out to Lee Tall. We're bringing this platform to you to help you. So Lee Tall, go ahead. So the best way would be Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is the healthy psych and my website also it's dr so dr letalpichon.com and my name is spelled l-y-t-a-l-p-i-c-h-o-n guys don't worry you don't have to remember that stuff because <laughs> it's all gonna be in the show notes and wow do we have to finish this I mean we're at like the hour mark this has been thank you so much this is fun so much fun. <laughs> That's why I said there's going to be a round two and hopefully you start your own show, oh, which I think cool. you should. You'll we'll be on it. <laughs> I want to be the first guest. You'll be my first guest. Yes. Confirmed. We are making moves here at the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. Guys, I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for listening through. This conscious community that we are cultivating is truly inspiring the hell out of me. You guys push me to be better every single day and you already know what time it is it's time to take control of your mind feed it that good fuel it needs and stand up to sitting <laughs>